One of the smartest people I know, period, full stop, Andrew McCarthy. Andy McCarthy is a former uh, Southern District U.S. attorney. He's a Fox uh, News contributor. He's a contributing editor of the National Review. And uh, his book is Ball of Collusion, The Plot to Rig an Election and Destroy a Presidency. Uh, Andy, I know you're a very busy guy in the last few days, but thank you for, for coming on this morning. We appreciate it very much. Larry, it's my pleasure. You know, I'm reading your block, but you got a great one this morning. Roe was never law. And I'm just reading this, and this is a beauty. So tell us about Roe was never law. This is your column in National Review. Well, you know, I think the the most memorable contemporary remark about Roe, Larry, when it came out in 1973, was by the prominent uh, progressive, well, I guess we in those days, liberal legal scholar, uh, John Hart Ely, who lamented that it wasn't just that Roe was bad constitutional law, but that it wasn't constitutional law at all and didn't seem to have any sense that it had an obligation to try to be constitutional law. And that really is the truth of Roe. It, it never even tried to uh, show that it had some rooting, some firm connection, some nexus to the Constitution. And frankly, it only lasted, didn't even make it 20 years. You know, we've been talking for a couple of days now, I guess, about a half century of Roe. We really haven't been under Roe other than its bottom line ruling, which is this manufactured right uh, to abortion. But we haven't actually been under Roe for 30 years because it was such a bad decision that the court in a bare 5-4 majority in Casey, uh, less than 20 years later, had to completely overhaul its reasoning. Hmm. And even in Casey, they didn't try to explain how on, how on earth this came out of the Constitution. So it was always rickety. You know, you say progressives have thus made a talisman of stare decisis, the doctrine of respect for precedent. Now, I'm hearing a lot of that just in the la- since this decision was announced yesterday morning. But as you point out, I mean, okay, like the rest of the row bag of tricks, it's laughable as a legal argument. We've all noticed <laughs> Dred Scott, Plessy versus Ferguson, et cetera, et cetera, uh, school, uh, Brown versus School Board. I mean, that's a phony argument to begin with. It sure is. It's a phony argument on its face, and it's also phony as a legal argument as applied. I think Justice Barrett made a, uh, as well as I've ever seen it explained in her confirmation hearing, made the point that uh, stare decisis, which is, as you say, the doctrine of respect for precedent, is not a, is not a rule of decision. It's not something where you say, oh, well, it's a precedent, so we have to apply that. Uh, what stare decisis is, is a test to decide what precedents we should retain, uh, particularly under circumstances where a good argument can be made that something was wrongly decided in the first place. And it's like it's like any number of multi-part legal tests where you deal with things like, well, was it wrong or was it really, really wrong? Um, how much have people relied on it? How stable has it been? How much have they made their, uh, you know, has, has the society made its arrangements about it? So, you know, just saying stare decisis doesn't get you any place, or at least it shouldn't, uh, notwithstanding the, the kind of arguments that we're hearing the last couple of days. But as, as I say, it's applied to Roe in particular. If we could just take abortion out of it and just 
talk about it as a, as a legal case. It had to be completely overhauled less than 20 years later because it was indefensible as law. And what Casey replaced Roe with was this new test that asked, does a regulation impose an undue burden on abortion? And no matter what you think of that test, I think it was not, it was kind of vague and um, it applied in a, not surprisingly in an incoherent way. But no matter what you think of it, when you say what we're going to ask from now on is, does this regulation impose an undue burden? What you're basically saying is, let's have a lot of regulations and let's let's test this thing. So if you're constantly challenging something, it's not stable. Mm. Uh, and this never was stable. So it, just as a strict stare decisis matter, this is not the kind of precedent that anyone can can in a straight-faced way say, oh, yes, this has been very settled for half a century. And we're just talking about the legal aspect of it. There's a whole more important thing that's gone on in the culture and the society where I think more than half the country has always dissented from this. Half the country is opposed to abortion. And I think even most sensible people who are favorable toward abortion of that group of people, most people really do want it to be safe, legal, and rare. They mm. don't, people are not wired in a way that they say, we're for abortion on demand at any time for any reason. That, that's, that's such a fringe position, and yet that's the row position. And, you know, polling shows, uh, Andy, more or less 70% uh, oppose second trimester and uh, over 80% oppose third trimester abortions. I mean, the country was never there. And now Biden is talking about this crazy bill that uh, he can't get through Congress. He says that would codify Roe. It would do no such thing. It would actually, if you put it in, it would actually codify late term partial birth abortions. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I, I've thought for a long time, Larry, when they start talking about this stuff, I mean, Biden doesn't answer questions, right? I, like he's, mm. uh, you know, mm. he's answered, you know, five questions since he's been inaugurated. <laughs> um, and every time he says something, you know, he said a lot of goofy things in his presidency. But yesterday, right after this decision came out, he said, after a lot of throat clearing about what great experience he had as the judiciary chairman and vice mm. president and president, he said, I believe uh, as a lawyer that Roe was very solid constitutional law. And I'm sitting there thinking that may be the most goofy thing he said in 17 months because nobody believes that, you know, beginning with John Hardy and going forward, anybody who looked at that as a, as, as a legal matter, nobody believes that. So when they talk about codifying Roe, what we should point out is, well, tell us what abortion restrictions you're willing to indulge. Which ones are you willing to? And they won't name a single one. And I hope what people realize is with Roe gone, what they get to do is have the abortion regime that they want to live under. Whereas mm -hmm. with Roe, it was, again, abortion on demand anytime uh, for any reason right up to the moment of delivery. And most people think that's really radical and not what they want to live under. Even liberal academic jur jurists who favor abortion and favor choice uh, have said and written that this uh, Roe was a terrible uh, decision and it was so badly written uh, based on nothing but thin air. Uh, Andy McCarthy, last one. Um, 
I didn't exactly know this, but I'm reading it this morning. The Justice Department, Merritt Garland and the Justice Department issued this, uh, really a screed against the Supremes yesterday. Um, Huh? Really? The Justice Department is attacking the authority of the Supreme Court? I mean, isn't that a bit unusual? It is, Larry, except in the context of this Justice Department, which has been very political for day one. What I would stress to people is as much screeching about abortion as you're hearing, um, what's going on the last 24, 36 hours is not about abortion. It's about the Democrats' desire to come up with issues that basically prevent them from having to try to run on Biden's record. So for two weeks, we've had, you know, Capitol riot hearings, 17 months after the Capitol riot uh, on uh, in the House. Uh, and now we're going to have, uh, you know, they're going to try to make the big issue abortion. Um, they'd rather be talking about anything, I imagine, than six dollar uh, gas. But mm. but I think most people care about six dollar gas. Well, I think you're right. I mean, this is this is going to be an inflation election and ultimately yep. a recession election and you're right five or six dollar gas but i just was i mean i don't know i just it just i'm reading bill barr's memoir okay so maybe yep. that's right you right. know it, it is it's pretty darn good he's a very bright guy uh and a friend of ours and you know the justice department is not supposed to attack the supreme court i mean that's yep. very unusual i think yep yeah it, it it's uh <laughs> it's not only it's 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 unusual, but it's so unbecoming. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I don't the thing that Bill says, which which I think is he's totally right about is, you know, we need to get the Justice Department out of politics and politics out of the Justice Department because mm-hmm. it's it's ruining both. Uh, this is really corrupting the Justice Department to have to get on board with the political messaging of the White House on every big issue. Um, it doesn't do the, the work of federal prosecutors. I was one for a long time to insult the court that you have to appear before is not like good business, you know. Mm. Um, so it's just very imprudent and very unbecoming. I was just talking to Betsy DeVos, who, you know, got a great book out. She's crusaded for school choice all these years. And this is when the, this is the Merritt Garland Justice Department attacking parents as domestic terrorists. And now I guess the next thing is they're going to attack the Supremes as domestic terrorists. Who knows? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, it'd be nice if they would protect them from domestic terrorists. <laughs> you know. Andrew McCarthy, the best of the best, Fox News, National Review, former prosecutor, great friend. Thank you, Andy. We appreciate it very much. Thanks.